It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Well, it's been a rough couple of games for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, it started last weekend when Yarmo Kekalainen started trading off the veterans. First, it was Riley Nash. Then it was David Savard. Then finally, the captain, Nick Felino. But the Blue Jackets were able to play a very respectable game on Monday at home against the Chicago Blackhawks. But then they went to Dallas and the wheels came off the cart. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about the fine folks over at Telhio Credit Union. We're back in 1934 is when they started to put people above profits. It was at that time they made that decision. They have never wavered from that decision. Whatever they do, if you are their customer, whatever they do, it's going to be with you in mind. So if you're not one of their customers, well, maybe you should look into it and I'll tell you how to do that. You can get all the information about Telhio Credit Union by going to their website at telhio.org. Just surf around, click on the different tabs. You'll be able to get all of the information that you're looking for. If there's something you can't find during business hours on the right-hand side of the screen, there is a live chat option. Click on that. Someone will pop up on your screen and they will help you through it so that you can answer the question that has got to be the only question to ask yourself when it comes to this. And that is, why spend time dealing with a regular bank when you can be with a credit union that will put you ahead of everything else? Telhio Credit Union. Find them on the web at telhio.org. So the Blue Jackets started their six-game road trip in Dallas against the Stars, playing two games there. They are now coming here to um, South Florida to take on the Florida Panthers, playing against the Panthers tonight and tomorrow night. Then it'll be back over to the Gulf Coast, and they'll play the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday and Sunday to round out this trip. So it started off bad, and hopefully it doesn't get worse. But it, the signs are not uh, really pointing in a direction of optimism here in these last couple of games. Two games in Dallas were almost identical, where the Blue Jackets scored the first goal of the game, and then they could muster no more offense the rest of the way. And Thursday night, the Dallas Stars scored four goals, and they won the game 4-1. to one. And then they did, the Blue Jackets won better on Saturday, winning the game 5-1, to one, five unanswered goals. It was the way that that one went down. At one point, there were two goals scored in, what, 18 seconds, and Corpusalo got pulled, and it is just, <laughs> when you look at everything right now, you look at everything through a different lens after losing the players that the Blue Jackets lost. Uh, you look at things through a different lens when you see the performance of some of the players that are still here as compared as to what they've done in the past four years when this team was going to the playoffs every season in those four years. And it, it gets frustrating. There's no question. And I'm going to get the feedback from you here in just a minute. And I know you're frustrated. We're all frustrated. And I was talking to Jody Shelley about this the other day. And the reason for the frustration, I thought he spelled it out perfectly. The reason that we're so frustrated is we've come a long way as a fan base, as an organization, because years ago, you'd be disappointed about not making the playoffs again. But it was something that was rather routine not to make the playoffs for the Blue Jackets. Never made it until the 
2008-2009 season to begin with. And even that was a four-game sweep at the hands of the Detroit Red Wings. But things have changed in these last handful of years. There are expectations, and that's why it's even more frustrating. It's frustrating for you. It's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for the players, despite what you may believe. I guarantee you it is very frustrating for the players. Some more than others. You can make that argument. I would be okay with that. But it is very frustrating for them. But that's why we're so upset now, because there are expectations. And as I go through your questions here, and maybe I shouldn't preview this, but I will, there is, <laughs> there is a sense where um, maybe it's because some of you have just jumped on in the last four years when it's been all success, and this is your first time dealing with non-success. But, you know, there's, um, there's some things here where you're a little bit spoiled. You don't make the playoffs every year in the National Hockey League. That's a fact. And maybe you haven't had to deal with that before. But again, it all stems from the expectation and where this franchise is now as compared to where it was five or six years ago. So that part is a good thing. But, but it's still a frustrating thing all around uh, when, when we get into it. So let's get into it right now. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to bring you this first one. This is an email that was sent to me, and this one came in first this week, so I'm going to go with this one. Uh, it's from Corey in Cincinnati, and Corey says, I'm looking at the current roster, and I'm wondering where the future tough guys in grit are going to come from. With Felino, Dubinsky, Anderson, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and David Savard gone, now Boone Jenner is out for the year. Our lineup is looking awfully soft. I know we're never going to see another Jody Shelley, but sometimes I think Yarmo's vision for this team is too skill-based. Frankly, if John Tortorella leaves next year, I feel the scales will tip even further in the skill direction. And if you look at the past few Stanley Cup winners and contenders, all of them had plenty of toughness and jam in their lineup. The new school haters can say whatever they want about fighting being irrelevant, but it is on the rise this year and is always going to be a part of the game. And we need someone on this team who can handle themselves when things get out of hand. Nothing angers me more about the modern game than watching a team stand around and do nothing when a teammate is bullied or injured. Corey, I could not agree with every word of that anymore. And I went through this a couple of weeks ago. I, I said, I think the, the scales are tipping the other way um, because I remember saying this. I said these words, I have told you I don't ever want to be a general manager, but if I was in this case, I would be looking for the next couple of Tom Wilsons. I would be looking for two Tom Wilsons, preferably three Tom Wilsons. Guys that can play the game, they play it hard, they play right along that line. They're a little bit dirty. I'm okay with that, except when he's, you know, concussing Alexander Wenberg in the playoffs. I'm okay with that, though, uh, that, that, that line, not that hit, uh, that line of playing a little bit dirty, because I think if you went into that direction right now, if you did it right now in this league, you would get a jump on everybody else. It's going to go back that way. The skill and the speed is great. It's fun. Don't get me wrong, but that grit is always going to be a part of this game. It's not necessarily about the fighting. It's about the threat of the fighting. Guys in the league don't want to fight right now. But if you have a guy that might make you fight, he's a difference maker without doing a thing. So I, I agree with you on that. The speed and the skill is great, and you've got to have it to keep up with everybody else. But as it starts to turn, why not be on the cutting edge of that? Why not be looking for those guys that are going to scare the heck out of the opposing teams? You think Tom Wilson scares the teams in the Metropolitan Division? You're darn right he does. 
So why not get a guy like that? So when you're playing Washington, you're not going to scare Backstrom and Ovechkin and Oshie because they've got Tom Wilson. All right. Are you going to scare Sidney Crosby? Probably. Probably are. So, you know, so I, I agree with that. I agree with that, Corey. I'm, I am on board with that, my friend. There's no doubt about that. All right, uh, a couple of voice questions this week, and uh, we're going to go to our old standby favorite because this guy, he's uh, he's been there through thick and thin. He's been mad. He's been happy. This week might be a little bit lukewarm, but uh, here we go with our first voice question of the show. Hey, Bobby Mack, Cameron Maynard in Belfort, Kentucky. Um, I was born in Williamson, West Virginia, but uh, Belfry is right across the river in Kentucky from Williamson. Like, I live right on the border. And um, Forest Hills is what they call a hauler in the Belfry area. And that's where I live and where I live my whole life. Well, I lived in northern Kentucky, uh, like, across the river from Cincinnati for a couple of years in college. I went to northern Kentucky University. But that's neither here nor there. But I th- just thought it would be interesting for you to know that about me. But anyway... Um, so, you know, the Jackets, uh, the Jackets season is basically a wash. Um, you know, we, we got three first round picks, uh, in the Felino and Savar trade. And I think I heard somebody talk about on here one time, whether we should trade our first round picks we have this year for a centerman who would come in and immediately help the team make an immediate impact next year and be a big time, um, important key player for us or should we instead just use those draft picks to to build on or to build around and you know I remember you saying even um you know if if you're going to add a centerman or add another player like like what are you going to be adding to like you know like what are you going to be adding to in terms of this core I mean you know I don't know like I'm I'm, I kind of agree with you like I think we should draft three guys this year in the first round or however many first round picks we have this year and just build around them because like you know again like you said if you're if you add a you know a veteran you know I don't really think you're adding anything because like I don't know I just don't know I just don't really see the chances of of going that far with the core we have and you know I just thought I'd ask you you know do you think we should trade our picks off this year or um, build around those picks and select three guys that we think can make an impact. I look forward to answering my question. Thanks, Bob. All right, Cameron, thank you. And thank you for the geography lesson and uh, the little bit of life history there um, because I'm, I'm not as familiar with those areas. So that was good. Thanks for letting me know a little bit more of, of who you are with that. All right, let's talk about your question, though. Um, I don't know that I said draft all three of those guys. As a matter of fact, if I did, I, I must have uh, – I must have to go through total recall to figure it out because I would rather see they can hold on to the first pick. That's fine. First pick's going to be a top 10 pick. Heck at this rate, it might be a fourth overall pick, which by the way, I'm okay with. I hate losing. It would stink if I don't call another win for the rest of the year. But quite frankly, if you're going to try to get talent and get to where you want to be out of the starting blocks with the draft, maybe that's what has to happen. But anyway, um, the fact of the matter is, Keep that one. It's going to be a high pick and you should be able to get somebody that's going to help you. Maybe not next year. And I'll go through this in in a minute. Somebody has a question about Liam Foody. So I'll expand on my thoughts of this, but you know, 18 year olds coming directly into the national hockey league and you're expecting them to be impact guys. I, I think in many ways it's a pipe dream. I know it happens, but I think those are special guys. I don't think it's every single guy. 
Okay. So I'll tell you that. But um, after that first one, get rid of the other two. Try to package them for players that can help you now. And when you say, who are you adding? And if I said that earlier, it might have been, I forget what the situation was in the year. I might have said that at one point. I remember saying, who do you want to get rid of? And saying it would have to be guys like Savard and Felino and maybe even Boone Jenner. I remember that. But um, as far as, look, if you got Seth Jones here and everything hinges on Seth Jones, I told you that. I believe I said it last week. If it wasn't last week, it was a week before. Everything to me hinges on him. What is he going to do? If he's going to stay here, if you're going to build a team around him, because then people said, Patrick Line, what about building a team around him? Jury's out on this guy. I'm sorry. I can sit here and lie to you and say, hey, he scored three goals in two games. Oh, we feel good. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Jury's out on this guy. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'm pro, I, that I, if I want him proactively here or not here. I don't know. And, and I would know better if I knew what he was worth on the market. Then I'd have a better answer for you. But anyway, follow me here. If Seth Jones is going to stay, if he's going to be the captain of this team, if he's going to let you build the team around him, then you've got a building block and a big one. Cam Atkinson is still here. Cam is still, I, you know, he disappears for stretches of the season. He's invisible right now many nights. And I, I just mean he's in one of those slumps for him. He's a streaky guy. He's not streaking right now. Okay. So, but you've got him and he's still a good, solid offensive veteran guy. Oliver Bjorkstrand continues to get lost in translation. I don't know why. I think this guy's the best forward they got. I think he should play on the top line every night. You see the passes that he made? The, the pass he made to Gavrikov to set up that goal on Saturday? Like, just seriously sick. Just out of the reach of the goalie with the skate as he goes into the splits. I mean, a perfect pass, avoiding the goalie skate and putting it right on Gavrikov's tape. Okay, so Oliver Bjorkstrand is a building block on this team. Gus Nyquist is coming back. You're getting a top six forward next year, day one of camp, no matter what, because Gus is coming back. All right? So you're adding to a fair group. Now, what do you need to add? You need to add centermen. That's the trick, Cameron. That's the real trick. You've got to try to acquire centermen. They say you can only draft and develop them. Can you get one in a trade? It's not done very often. It can be done. Seldom is it done right, maybe, but but you can try because you have those assets. You've got teams that are going to be up against the cap. You have um, the expansion draft coming up with Seattle. There'll be teams that might be willing to move a player they wouldn't move because they need to get in line for that expansion draft. There's a lot of stuff going on. And if you missed the conversation Jody and I had with Yarmo Kekalainen uh, last week on the Inside Edge, go back uh, into your podcast and find that show and listen to what he says about that. Because I said to him, we talked about this during this offseason. Guys would be available that would never be available, and it didn't happen. You know, Tampa put Kucherov on long-term IR, and that solved a lot of their salary cap problem right there. So that was a team where, whether it be Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, you know, maybe there would be guys available that normally wouldn't be. It didn't happen. But he swears it's going to happen this summer. So I'll take him at his word. That's, that's what he does. I mean, that's, that's his job, to know that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens with it. But me... I'd take the first pick. Those other two, I'd try to package them somehow because I don't want I don't want to wait. You talk about drafting a first rounder and building a team around him. Come on. Let's let's think about this. If that first rounder is a Crosby McDavid, okay. Jack Eichel, are they building a team around him in Buffalo? They're tearing a team down around him in Buffalo right now. They can't figure out how to build it in Buffalo. Is that management or does that have something to do with him? I don't know. But it's just an example. 
Um, <laughs> Sonny Milano was a first round pick. Let's be honest. Let's throw it out there. Okay. Sonny Milano was a first round pick. Would you want to build a team around him? He couldn't even stay in the national hockey league this year. He was back in the American league playing in San Diego. So that's what, all I'm saying to you is don't think that just because the guy's a first rounder, he's golden and he's going to be this huge difference maker and we can build things around. It takes time. You've got to earn things being built around you. Unless your name's Crosby, unless your name's McDavid. That Those are the only guys, the only guys. So don't get, I wouldn't take those picks. Again, I'm not a GM. Maybe he will, and maybe he'll get some good players for him. And again, if Seth Jones doesn't want to stay here for whatever reason, and those are other decisions that have to be made, you know, if he, if he's not going to, and you're not going to be able to build around him, then, then maybe you take those picks because of that. Maybe, maybe you do just kind of start over. So that's how I feel about all of that, Cameron. Uh, let's go to another voice question right here. Bobby Mack, it's Bakes. And, um, man, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Um, totally devastated that, you know, we traded off the veterans, even though hypothetically they all could return if they wanted to next year. Um, I don't like the debate I've heard on people still wanting to see more on Patrick Line. I, I think the kid is a star. He's still a kid. Um, Dubois really, you know, it took Dubois a minute to kind of get going in, in our system. I hope Torts is around for that. And I, you know, I, I think Patrick Line is, uh, if Seth Jones is 1A, in my mind, Patrick Line is 1B. Um, we, we just need someone that can score goals and there's no one in the NHL that's got a shot like he does. Um, so hopefully, you know, and it's been a weird year, like everyone has said, um, I wanted you to, uh, Dan, I don't know what to ask, but I just wanted to tell you that I appreciate what you do. I really do look forward to the Monday mailbag more than any other podcast. And I listen to a lot of them. Uh, different teams, but um, sad to see Savvy go, and Felino, and Nash, and uh, ho- hopefully some of these younger guys will step up. You know, I want to see what Liam Foodie can do with maybe a little bit more time. And um, uh, I feel like I've been, I've been hearing Trey Fix Walensky's name for five years now, so let's get him up here too. But go Jackets and. Uh, if Torts goes, don't you be leaving us now, too. We need you here in Columbus with us, Bobby Mack. All right, go Jackets. Thank you, Bakes. Appreciate all of that. And uh, Torts and I are not a package deal. I mean, we work together a lot, and I love working with them. But, um, you know, somebody would have to be here to train a new guy in doing interviews anyway, right? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, I appreciate that. And, and I know exactly how you feel when you say you don't know what to ask. I think that's where we're all sitting right now. We don't know what to ask. We don't know how to act. We don't know what to think, uh, the whole thing. And again, back to that expectations thing. We have high expectations. They were not met. So where do you go from there? Great questions. Look, Patrick Line, I touched on that a minute ago. You know, he's got a great shot. I won't argue that with you. But he went a month without scoring a goal. It's not about his shot. It's not about his offense. You say we need guys to score goals, and this guy can do it like nobody else. Well, then why did he go 30 days without scoring a goal? 
I mean, that's a long time for a guy that has that kind of talent, is it not? I'll answer that for you. Yes, it is. So his thing is the engagement factor. Is he engaged? And if he's not, why is he not engaged? Here's a good question for you. When he was playing in Winnipeg, he was not on the top line. We were told uh, during the offseason, coming into the season and prior to the trade, we were told that he wanted to be on the top line. He was upset he couldn't be on the top line. They wouldn't put him on the top line. Now you've watched him play. Why wasn't he on the top line? Does it have to do with the fact that maybe the other guys that were on the top line were guys that played with more desire and uh, they, they were just, you know, they, they just did a better job in that role. I think it's quite possible. And to take this a step further, if you're playing third line, the guys you're going up against when you're on the top line, like he is here, you are going to get the best of the other team every single shift. Every time they see you come over the boards, they're going to try to get their best defensemen out there, their best defensive forwards out there. They're going to try to match up every single time against you. If you're playing on the third line in Winnipeg, they've got enough problems with Wheeler and Shifley. And by the time they get to you, maybe they've already used those top pairings of, of defensive matchups. And you're playing against guys of a lesser caliber. I don't know. Go back and chart it out. I haven't done it, but it's possible. Go look at it. And that makes the job harder the way it is now. You have got to not only be willing to, to bury your head and bear down and get through that. You only have, it's not just about being willing. You got to do it. You've got to do it. Am I about keeping Patrick Lina here? Sure. Is he not performing because he doesn't have people to get him the puck? I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to get somebody to do that consistently to actually evaluate that. But I'm going to tell you this. This is one thing about this game. I mean this. Of all the years I've watched it, of all the years I've worked in it, the best players make the players around them better. They do. You know, you hate Sidney Crosby. You can hate him all you want to. Guys he plays with, they get better. Why is a guy like Brian Rust all of a sudden, like, light the world on fire? Right? Patrick Line needs to make the guys around him, whoever he's playing with, be better. Has he done that on a consistent basis since his arrival? You answer that yourself. I know the answer, so do you. So be honest with yourself and answer that. You also mentioned Liam Foodie. What I like about Liam Foodie right now is he's in the American Hockey League and he's playing and they're having success. And I still think that that is a mistake that has gone on in this league. Guys that are 18, 19 years old, many times are not ready to play here because of the economics now. They get these guys in here earlier in their careers. Um, it's quite honestly, you only get them for X amount of years, right? So you want to get them in, you want to get them while they're cheap and uh, you want to try to push them along. It is still better if you have time to go and develop in the American Hockey League and then come here when you're ready. He's playing big minutes. He just came off a two-point uh, two night the other night. He's having success. Their team is having success. You want him in a situation where that is the case. He's having success. They're having success. And that's what's going on right there, right now, okay? So uh, I'm all for Liam Foodie. I, I hope he develops. I hope he becomes a mainstay on this team. He's just not ready yet. They finally have him in position to be there. Trey Fix Wolanski, injury out for the year. Jury's still out on him. Is he going to be what they think that he can be? We'll find out next year. Tyler Angle is the guy lighting it up right now. Dylan Tyre just did an interview with him that we put out on the podcast channels. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you do. Tyler Angle, seventh-round pick. They gave him a contract. He's lighting it up. Am I saying he's going to come here and solve a lot of problems? Absolutely not. I've seen a lot of guys great in the American League come to the National Hockey League and not pan out. But I've seen a lot of guys 
be surprisingly good in the American Hockey League and come to the National Hockey League and be a lot better than you ever thought that they would be. So I'm hoping that that's uh, what Tyler Angle ends up being. All right. All right. What else are we going to get to here? On Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, Charles Anderson writes this to me. We've seen every iteration possible. Scoring but no defense. Defense but no scoring. A few games of scoring and defense and a lot of neither. Why did this Blue Jackets team struggle to find any consistency? We did it all, just rarely at the same time. Great breakdown, Charles. Simple, honest, dead on. And I was thinking about this, and I, and I was thinking about all these scenarios and why is it? And then John Tortorella, before the game on Saturday, was asked a question by my friend Owen Newkirk, who is with the Dallas Stars. And Owen worked in the American Hockey League when I did. And earlier in the year when the Blue Jackets were playing the Stars, um, he, he listened to one of my interviews with Torts. And he sent me a message and he goes, you know, I think I've got it out. I, I've got to figure it out. He likes teaching and he likes talking about teaching. And I go, yeah, that's it. You got it. So uh, Owen asked him a great question. And Torts gave this answer, which came back to training camp and the lack of training camp this year. Listen to this answer and, and tell me, if everything that Charles just brought up there and the inconsistencies and this problem, that problem, a little bit here, a little bit there, tell me if you think that a lot of it goes back to what John Tortorella talks about right here. The one thing for me uh, that I think is, uh, uh, at least from my mind and, and, and testing athletes, I missed having training camp with our group um, because I think we go through a lot of different mental and physical tests with that. I think it helps the camaraderie of a team. Uh, I, I miss going through the steps with our group that way. Uh, the practice times uh, have been few and far between because you have to, you, like you said, own just the, the energy as far as the games. We certainly would have liked to practice more, uh, but the schedule just did not allow it at times. It, 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 I, don't, I, I don't think it affects our record. I'm certainly not making an excuse. Biggest thing for me is I like the training camp uh, because I think that 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 gets you to a team quicker. Uh, I think it's some of the things we're trying to do in that camp. John Tortorella loves training camp. He loves that two mile run. He loves guys thinking about it for months before they have to do it. He loves the mental preparation. He loves the hard skating in training camp. He loves building the foundation in camp. He didn't have that camp. He's got a lot of new players. They didn't have to worry about the run. They didn't have to worry about the skating. They got off scot-free. And what have we seen from that? We've seen lackluster performances. We've seen uh, guys that normally perform a certain way not playing like that. Does it have to do, does any of it have to do with that no training camp? I think it does. I think it does. He loves to set that up. The, the mind, preparing the mind. He prepares the mind in the camp just as much as he prepares the body. And he wasn't able to do either this year and i i think that's had an effect not making excuses for him i'm just telling you what i think that camp has been so important and it didn't exist this year and look what we got all right where else do i want to go uh on this one here uh greg gearsall goes hey bob who do you think the next coach will be i trust you will say i don't know but i propose outside the organization who's the next up and comer i wonder uh, Allah or Jared Bednar, who was plucked by the Avalanche some years ago. Frankly, surprised that 
Torch is still here after the drubbing on Saturday. Don't be surprised by that. I mean, this season is what it is. Like, why would you get rid of him with 10 games left for because you lost? You can lose 10 to one. You can lose two to one. It's all the same. Not quite the same, but you know what I'm saying. I don't know who the next coach is going to be. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, I, I'll tell you this. It's, in my opinion, the way this game works is, you know, you have a, a hard line coach right now. The next guy will probably be a player's coach, uh, more friendly toward the players. That's the cycles that you go through. And my question is, is it going to be somebody like, look, Gerard Gallant is out there and he's kind of a hybrid. You know, we've had him here before. When he coached here the first time, he shouldn't have because he, he wasn't ready and this team wasn't ready for that. They needed more. But anyway, he's he's got a lot of experience now and, and I like him. And I think he could do good things. Am I saying he's coming here? No, I'm not. But what I'm, my point is, he can be kind of a player's coach and a hardline coach at the same time. But is it time to go with not a recycled coach? Is it time to go with a young coach to grow with young players? I don't know. And if you're going to do that, who is that young coach? You know, look what Chicago did a couple of years ago when they let uh, Joel Quinville, uh, Quinville go and they brought in Jeremy Colleton. You know, at the time it was like, who? Jeremy's done a good job with that team, right? They're speaking his language right now. So uh, I don't know if that's the direction that they go in. I, I don't know. I mean, you've got Mike Eves, who's an older guy coaching in Cleveland. He's done good things there. I think he's, I think he's perceived more as a college coach, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't coach here. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I just, if they went with somebody young, whether it's inside or outside the organization, well, we'd have to go from outside the organization, I would think. Um, if they decide to do that, it won't surprise me. But I, I couldn't give you a name right now if you paid me a million dollars. No, actually, if you gave me a million dollars, I'd give you a name. It wouldn't be right, but I'd give you the name to get the million bucks for sure. All right. What is uh, next? Uh, here's Here are a couple of good ones right here. This one's from Brandon. Brandon says, Bob, I went to bed Saturday night instead of watching the third period. I need to protect my mental well-being. Should I just avoid the final 10 games? So that's Brandon. Here's an email from Jennifer who says, day one season ticket holder. This is hard to watch. Went to bed last two games after the second period. Why should we watch these boys struggle through the next X amount of games? Okay, those are two decent questions. I mean, <laughs> you've got a point. I mean, the, the second periods were bad in both games, and they lost both the games. But listen to this. James Ayers the third on Twitter kind of replied to one of these, and I liked his reply, and I'm going to read it to you. He says, just understand wh what they are. Watch the younger guys getting minutes and pay attention to certain pairings, as this is a great opportunity for Yarmo and company to evaluate our future or the future. Uh, I don't pay attention to the score, but I find it fun to watch still. So James is putting a positive spin on it. And you can do that. You can still be frustrated and you can do that. You can watch certain players or certain situations and uh, see what you think about that. So that's what I would say to you. Like if you can stomach that part of it, and, and I think a lot of games are going to be in. I think what happened in Dallas, I don't expect that to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. I really hope that they're not getting on the wrong side of lopsided scores here the rest of the way the game like Monday against Chicago where you're in it and you're battling and you lose it by a goal and there's effort and all that stuff that is that is what I hope that we see down the stretch here um 
can't guarantee it. I don't know, but that that's what I hope that we see. I hope that for, for everybody's <laughs> psyche, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and, uh, and that includes the players. All right. Where am I going here next? I got a couple more. This one from uh, Dr. Jiggly stuff on Twitter says, how are you feeling on Josh? And that would be Josh Dunn. Of course, he's played two games in the National Hockey League. Uh, where in the line does he belong? I like what I see so far. What do you want to see? Or, or I'm sorry. I like what I see so far. That ends that thought. Then he says, who do you want to see win the cup this year if it starts tomorrow? I'll answer the last part first. I, I don't care. I, I have no dog in the fight after that. Um, you know, I guess if you were going to nail me down and make me pick one, I'd say Colorado. You know, they have been talked about, talked about, talked about. And uh, they've got some really good talent. They've got some good players. Uh, you know, the, there was a mention of Jared Bednar uh, a couple of questions ago here. And, and Jared is the head coach out there. And he's a good guy. I like him. So I root for him. Chris McFarland is the assistant GM to Joe Sackick. He was with the Blue Jackets prior to that. I like Chris. And I wish good things for him. Matt Calvert's out there, of course. And you could never dislike Matt Calvert. You could never root against Matt Calvert, right? So uh, I guess that's who I would pick. No offense, David Savard, Nick Foligno, Riley Nash, anybody that just left here. But um, I guess I would say Colorado. Josh Dunn, look, he's done a good job. It's, um, he's played two games in the NHL. He got a lot of minutes on Saturday. As other guys took themselves out of the lineup, Max Domi, uh, Josh Dunn got more minutes. I thought he did fine. I mean, he's playing fourth line center to start with, and, and he's just trying to get acclimated to what the heck's going on. So I'm not going to get all fired up. I'm not going to get too excited because, again, I've seen that. You know, where, where's Kevin Stenland? I've seen Kevin Stenland play good games at center. I've seen him play better games than Josh Dunn at center, and he's not in the lineup. So I'm not going to get too it's, – it's been good, but it's, it's far from great. He's played two games in the league. Uh, let me see. Um, Mons, uh, Monsignor, I guess is how this is pronounced. Anyway, it says, with the 2021 draft being as sparse as it is, how high of a pick would a team need to get a decent NHL player? Uh, not a prospect. They're all prospects in the first round. How high of a pick? Again, I think you can take those lower picks, and you would figure that the Tampa pick and the Toronto pick are going to be in the, the bottom end of the first round. I think you can take those, and you can package them up, and you can – you can find something that uh, that works for you. That's what I think. I don't think they have to be that high. I think it's about packaging. Maybe you throw a goalie in there with them. Who knows? Um, I think there are ways to do it. And I think that Yarmo will, I think he will find a way to do it for a number of reasons. Number one, the, the trades that he's made have been good. I mean, he's surprised us. He's brought in high-end talent, um, deals that we didn't even hear about or see coming, Right. And the other thing is, look, he's under the microscope now too, right? I mean, he's been here for long enough. Um, John Davidson's not here any longer. Bill Zito's not here any longer. If John Tortorella stays or if he even does go, I mean, you know, any general manager, once there's a coaching change, the focus goes from the coach to the general manager anyway. So, uh, and I'm not saying Yarmo's sitting there thinking about what he's going to do, worried about his own future. I don't mean that at all. But the fact of the matter is, it's going to be a factor. And he's a smart guy and he is um, he's got plenty of incentive to do this the right way beyond just the fact that he's a pro and that he hates to lose and he wants to win uh, there. You know, there's a lot of factors in this. So 
I trust that he's going to, that he's going to make the right decisions and do the right things. Uh, Jody says, uh, with the new guys that have played in the lineup this past week, who stood out the most and who did not? Again, I mean, I, it's just a, Josh Dunn played fine. Uh, one guy that surprised me was Miko Lettinen. He's not a young guy. He's 27, but he's new to the organization being picked up in that uh, trade with Toronto for um, Bevelinen a couple of um, weeks ago here. I, I thought I thought he was playing fine. I thought early on he was getting his shots through, and then he was just playing okay, and then he was scratched. And then on Saturday he has a chance to play with Seth, uh, with Seth Jones on the top pairing because they've got to make decisions on him. Do they want to keep him or don't they? If they're going to keep him, what are they going to pay him? Let's put him with Seth and see how he does. I think that I thought it was underwhelming, quite honestly. I thought Delzato's done a better job there with Seth uh, in the absence of Zach Wierenski. You know it's going to be Wierenski's spot anyway. You're really looking for the second-pair guy to take Sabard's spot um, and maybe Gavrikov's spot because even though he had a goal, I mean, where's this guy been this year? He's not been the same player that he was last year, I'll tell you that. Um, so I was I was just a little bit disappointed with Miko Lettinen here lately. I think he has so much more, and we saw a little bit of that early on, and then it's kind of tapered off a little bit. And finally, and I'm just doing a quick uh, quick glance to make sure that I got them all, and I believe I did. So finally, here is an email I got from Ryan. He says, "Well, the Blue Jackets called Daniil Tarasov up to get a look at him before the end of the season." And will we see Emil Bemstrom get a look at center if he is healthy? I'm going to be honest. And if it hurts anyone's feelings, I'm sorry. But I'm just going to be honest. I've seen enough of Emil Bemstrom at any position. I think he has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And he has not solidified himself and found a spot. Whether it's wing. No, you're not going to see him at center for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, that, that, that answers, that's my answer on Emil Bemstrom. I mean, that's, to me, that's an experiment that maybe he does get another chance along the way, but if he doesn't, I'm fine with that. I think he's had plenty of opportunity. And the goalie thing, Daniil Tarasov, look, he's having a great start in Cleveland. They're playing well. He's part of that. Here's my bigger concern. I know the team is struggling right now. I know that they are uh, kind of a shell of their, of them for, of their former selves, but man, both these goalies have to play better. Don't they? We're talking about trading a goalie. We're talking about having this great tandem. That's all we've said. I've said it a million times and I believed it. I have believed it. And in the last couple of weeks, I'm going, this is not, neither one of these guys looks like they need to and how they have in the past. It's very concerning to me. I mean, the game against Chicago on Monday, I thought the Blue Jackets should have won that game instead of losing it. I thought Corpusalo gave up two goals that he shouldn't have. There were two goals that leaked in on him. And then, um, you know, he, he gets pulled from the game on Saturday. It's not all his fault, but I just think they have to play better. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, you know, Elvis is out there. He's trying to move pucks all over the place. He's pushing them with the stick, and he's he, he, he can't catch them. Very seldom catches him. You got to shoot it right into his glove for him to catch it. Uh, he's using the glove to bat stuff away, and then it's going to players, and, and they're putting it in. Again, when there's great defense being played around you and in front of you, it makes you look like a world beater as a goalie. When that is not the case, then you can be exposed 
and you've got to pick up your game. And I don't think either one of them has picked up their game to where it needs to be. So does Daniil Tarasov get a look before the year's over? I don't know. I don't, Yarmo said on that inside edge show last week, we're going to go with his development and we're going to bring him along. Like he's going to bring him along slowly. Will he get forced into a position where maybe he can't do it as slowly where you bring him up and give him a game? I would be, as I sit here and answer this question for you right now, I would send him the plane ticket to come and try because in not, not even so much what he's doing in Cleveland because of what are the other two guys doing here? Again, that you asked the question and I'll give you the answer. He is playing well there. Do you want to leave him there and have that success and play out that season and, and maybe do some really good things with him there and not get him up here and, and not put him into a situation with a bad team where he might lose some confidence. That's another factor too, by the way, that's a big factor. If he's playing there and playing well, just came over. He's been here, what, two weeks, three weeks after playing in the KHL? If he's going, if it's going well, maybe just let it go well for as long as it does. Because if you bring him up here and you put him in front, you put him behind, not in front. If you put him as the backstop on a team that's not playing a, a defensive team game, and then if he gets lit up, maybe that'll affect his psyche. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I all I know about him is what I hear, what I read, you know, I haven't seen him play to where, you know, you can get an idea of his mental toughness or anything like that. So um, I, I don't know. I think that, but I do think that factors in as to, do you want him to continue to have success? I mean, coming to the national hockey league would be an absolute shot in the arm as far as, you know, excitement and, even if you got one game, you'd be like, hey, I, I want to get back here and I want to make sure I work hard. It's great incentive. It's great incentive. But you also have to make sure, in my opinion, that you do it in the right situation sometimes, especially with a guy in that position. Because if he comes up and doesn't look as good, now, you know, you people are going to start saying, well, do we have anybody? All three of them, none of them look, uh, look very good right now. And, you know, and, and you don't want him thinking that either. But if he comes up and he lights a world on fire and then they send him back down, you don't want him going, well, why am I back down here? And there's so many things. That mental aspect of it that Torch talks about that sometimes you buy into and sometimes you don't because sometimes you're like, all right, well, who cares about that? Just give me the results. The results are driven by all of that, and especially with goalies. Goalies are they're, they're a different breed. They are harder to develop. Um, you know, look, this is all I'm going to say about Daniil Tarasov. All right. He came over here. He went to the American hockey league. He's playing, he's playing well. Don't hear a peep from him. Um, he's doing his job and I credit him for doing that. Go there and do your job as long as you can do it, the best that you can do it. And if they call you up to, to do it here, then come in and do the exact same thing. So, um, I don't know where that's going to go, but that's just, in my opinion, that's some of the background on it. There's so many more things to factor in. Um, and maybe here's one more thing to factor in. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But if you want to trade one of these two goaltenders, do you want either or both of them to lose value based on the way they're playing with this team right now? That's another thing to think about. Where are you going to go from there? And don't forget about Matisse Kavlenix, by the way. He played in this league last year. You could bring him up and give him a start if you want to. I mean, he's the goalie that's going to be left available in the expansion draft. Could throw him a bone and do that if you wanted to. It would, it would be deserved, and I wouldn't have any problem with that whatsoever. 
So we'll see what happens. But that position, here's the whole point. As I wrap up this entire show, here's the point. That position is under as much intense focus as every other position. And that was the one that we all thought would be kind of left alone. But they had to play to the same level that they did last year for it to be left alone. And I don't think either one of them have. So they are, they're in focus, just like the defensemen are in focus, just like the forwards are in focus, the evaluations are on, and we're going to see where it all goes. Blue Jackets and the Florida Panthers tonight here, Sunrise, Florida. I'm on site, ready to do the game. Thank goodness. A game in person again. I got a chance to come down here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was great. People here were great. I'm looking forward to seeing them again. I would like different results from the last time because I didn't call a win in this building. But uh, 7 o'clock, face-off tonight. And 6.30, the pregame coverage starts on the Blue Jackets radio network. It also starts at 6.30 on Valley Sports Ohio, by the way. So um, maybe I should have said on the question of I watched two periods and I shut it off. Watch two and turn it on the radio in the third period because we'll have great discussion one way or the other. You know, I'll throw you, I'll throw some things out there for you that might make your uh, – it's either going to make your brain work or make it hurt either way. So you have that to look forward to six o'clock pregame show, seven o'clock face off tonight, blue jackets and the Florida Panthers first of two back to back. Don't forget tonight and tomorrow. These two teams will play each other before the blue jackets head over to the Gulf coast to take on the Tampa Bay lightning. Thanks for all your questions as always. Remember, Oh, you know what I did forget? Oh my gosh. If I would have forgotten to do this, this is like three weeks in a row because I made this new. And if I would have forgotten this, I would just be, I'd never hear the end of it. I would never hear the end of it because I put this on Instagram and I asked about, you know, I said that people can put their questions there. Uh, Junior Roy Kaiser, his, his comment was, do you actually read these? So the answer is yes. If I would have forgotten to read that, it'd be like, well, the guy doesn't even read this. Why am I wasting my time? So yes, he did. And then former, we're, I was just talking about goalies, JF LeBay, former Blue Jacket. <laughs> he says, because I said, if you have any questions, he said, uh, be or not to be. That is the question. Thanks, JF. I appreciate it. See, goalies, I told you they're different. It's just how they are. But it's always great to hear from him. And I, and I enjoy watching um, the exploits of, of his son playing and him working with him on Instagram, too. Um, here's one more. Uh, Badgie Kimron says, Jack Rosselbeck currently has 29 points in 38 games as a Blue Jacket. That's on pace for 63 points over an 82-game schedule. Do you believe Roslevic has 60-plus point potential on a consistent basis, or could we be looking at another Alexander Winberg? Does he have that potential? Yes, he does. Is he going to be able to figure it all out and, and stay in his own head and get it, get it right year after year after year? I don't know. And that's fair to say of any young player. He's got a great advantage. You know, he's been – you can argue he's been the better part of that trade with Winnipeg. Shocking, right? Shocking. But um, he has that potential. What he's done this year has been um, very noticeable. But he's also made mistakes on the other side that he's got to iron out of his game. He's got to learn to be more of a 200-foot, two-way player, especially if he's going to play center in this league. But does he have that potential? Your question is, does he have the potential? Yes, he does. My question is, do you buy groceries on potential? No, you don't. you got to actually get out there and do it year after year. And that's what I hope Jack does. I really do. So there you go. I didn't forget my Instagram people, and uh, and I won't. Got to get that more in the forefront. Next show, we'll start with Instagram, and then we'll go to whatever we go to from there. All right? That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30. It's been presented by Telhio Credit Union. 
Until tonight, when the Blue Jackets take on the Florida Panthers, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.